Dateline, August 1st, 2010. Today's Ausdesk is made possible through the power of Voltaren, Diazepam and Panadine Fort. Well, g'day folks, Steve here for the Ausdesk for episode 108 and the rapidly deteriorating Grant McCarran is with me. Uh, Grant, I shudder to ask, but how are you going? Hey, I'm doing fine. I'm flying fine. It's great. The power of painkillers. Woohoo! You know, Grant, I'm thinking that, uh, as was announced this week during the never-ending election campaign, they uh, they actually announced a Cash for Clunkers program this year. I'm thinking of trading you in and getting some cash. Oh, mate, I wouldn't get a cut of that, would I? Well, no, but you know, it's you know, it's all for the greater oh, good. Okay, we need to talk about this one, mate. <laughs> let's 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 wait until the uh, the cloud has dissipated. Okay, that one wasn't in the meeting, was it? No, that wasn't in the minutes in the last meeting. No, hmm. Nah, folks. I, about a week ago, I really managed to damage my shoulder, and yeah, it doesn't need an operation but it will take a while to recover. So uh, thanks to the power of painkillers, I'm able to focus on most things. Okay, well, let's focus on this first story. Air Asia X eyeing trans-Tasman flights. This could uh, raise a few eyebrows, mate. As if the whole trans-Tasman market wasn't already saturated, we've got Air New Zealand, we've got uh, Pacific Blue, we've got the Qantas Jet Connect crowd flying across the Tasman. This is all between Australia and New Zealand, folks. So you've already got those three local airlines, plus Emirates are flying back and forth with their um, A340s, and I believe occasionally an A380 as well, it's a pretty crowded piece of sky back and forth between uh, various ports of, of the Australian East Coast especially, but also the West, and uh, places in New Zealand like Auckland and Christchurch and Wellington. Now it looks like there's a, a chance AirAsia X are going to see if they can't get in on the action and, and really clutter up the space. Yeah, this is according to their CEO, a gentleman by the name of Azran Osman Rani, telling uh, attendees at a recent airline conference in Sydney that uh, AirAsia X had a quote-unquote golden opportunity to enter the trans-Tasman market if the consolidation between Air New Zealand and Pacific Blue went ahead. He went on to say a bit later in the conference too that it basically wasn't a question of if but when. So yeah, uh, and, uh, they're pretty but, serious. Yeah, the way that and he's already been across to New Zealand. They've had uh, talks with some of the airport authorities there, so it looks like it's going ahead, Grant. So interesting to see where they'll stage those flights from. Obviously, they'll have to stop somewhere in Australia to uh, reprovision the aircraft, but yeah, it's an interesting development for sure. Yeah, well, it's uh, it's similar to what Emirates do. They've got these aircraft coming down. Uh, they can't just turn around and come straight back due to timing of their uh, arrivals back home. So that they'd otherwise have them sitting on the t- tarmac in Australia doing nothing and racking up charges, well, what the heck? Let's just fly them to New Zealand and back. It's only about two hours each way, not a, not a huge flight. So, yeah, it's going to get real interesting there. And with luck, the only the only real winners here will be the consumers. AirAsia X are already offering very, very low-cost flights uh, up, you know, from Australia, particularly from the east coast of Australia, uh, up into Asia. They're a Malaysian-based airline, so uh, they operate around that part of the world. Um, and that's already shaken things up a fair bit here. So It's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Asia X have recently had to go back on, uh, they pulled out a whole lot of seats they'd put in recently that didn't have any uh, seat back reclining, didn't get a lot of friendly reports on those chairs, so they've actually had to pull them out and put new ones in. Uh, now they're coming into this market, which is already pretty cutthroat. It's going to make it interesting. And if some of the uh, some of the rumours going on about Australia and New Zealand reducing their uh, trans-border issues so that uh, you don't have to have a passport to go between Australia and New Zealand, if you've already checked into one, you've checked into the other that will really open up the Trans-Tasman environment something amazing. And make a mockery of security theatre in the, in the process. Well, Grant, let's move on to uh, another uh, trans-oceanic uh, route that's uh, obviously uh, quite a lot of interest to us here on the Ausdesk, and that's the Trans-Pacific flight. Now, uh, we, we have spoken a lot in the past about Delta V, as we call it, Delta Airlines and V Australia, teaming up together to operate on the Australia, Los Angeles and beyond route. And, of course, the big question we've been asking all along about this is, how is this going to affect United? United, who 
doesn't have the best of reputations on the route at the moment. <laughs> uh, we sort of thought that'd be probably curtains for them. But United have come out this week, Grant, and said, yeah, no problem at all. Yeah, they're not going to complain. They're not worried about the uh, potential for further blood in the water, so to speak. They're saying that the Delta V Alliance, well, that doesn't really do too much for them because, you know, they've still got the better network and they've got all sorts of other things going on. And da 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 da. I, I think it's I think it's all part of the the whole um, Unontil or Contunited or whatever that whole merger they're doing with uh, Continental is. That uh, you know you've got Continental talking about using their seven eight sevens to go direct from um, I think it's Dallas to New Zealand. You know things like this. Well, I think they're starting to wake up to the fact that with some of these newer aircraft, they'll be able to go from places other than LA and um, start to offer non-stop from non-LA ports to Australia or New Zealand, which is is really going to make life easier for travellers. You're not going to have to go through LAX, which for many of us would be a wonderful thing if we didn't have to go through there on our way into the US. So I think that could be a, pa- a factor in there going, ah, we're, we're not going to complain about it. We don't think it's a big issue. This week, uh, Greg Caldal, who is United Airlines' uh, Vice President of Resources Planning, uh, he's been in Sydney this week. He's been making a few statements to the effect that, you know, United Airlines has been with Australia, quote unquote, through the ups and downs of the past 25 years and that he remained confident that it's extensive network and his revamped product offerings of which I don't think we've seen here yet on I don't think they're actually operating the revamped aircraft down here yet are they Grant? They've done some recent changes I know uh, as long as a long ago as a year um, a friend came out first class with United she was blowing some frequent flyer points and yeah she got to sample the uh, newer first class and said yeah well you know it was okay Interesting to see and of course he says here that he says that you know they've been here for the last 25 years and they intend to be here for the next 25. Uh, he also expressed doubts here Grant that the uh, Delta V Alliance would be a more formidable competitor noting that uh, Delta didn't have anywhere near the same connectivity into the US interior and North America. So uh, there's fighting words there Grant. Yeah I think I think they're feeling a lot braver now that they've got Continental merged in with them you know. Interesting stuff there like I said well, you know I, I thought that uh, that would probably be curtains for United. The aircraft they've been operating down here are not as technologically advanced in terms of their cabin interiors particularly yeah. for you know and let's face it most people don't travel first class most people travel cattle class and uh, you know when you're when you're looking at flying on a triple seven with all the mod cons or you know a 20 year old 747 that doesn't even have seat back entertainment well i know which one <laughs> i'd rather be flying on anyway grant we'll leave that one there but uh here's a story that uh should place a big smile on courtney miller's face Qantas is definitely taking a very serious look at the c series they're quite interested in uh, considering the c series as a potential replacement for their 717s that they're flying under Qantas link national jet are contracted to Qantas link to fly 11 Boeing 717s. There were 14. They've now got it down to 11. On the various regional flights that aren't quite big enough to take a 737 or aircraft of that size. And uh, Qantas fell into the 717 when they took over Impulse. And they took over a few 717s, discovered they were pretty good, got up to 14. Uh, That was how they started off the Jetstar operation. And then once Jetstar got their A320s, they moved them over to National Jet to run them for Qantas Link. So yeah, they're they're looking at the C-Series as a potential replacement. Of course, there's also the Mitsubishi Jet and the um, what Embraer are coming up with. So it's not a no-brainer that it's definitely going to be Bombardier. But uh, one thing that could influence them in their favour is uh, Qantas Link run a lot of Q400s, a few Dash 8 300s and Q300s as well. So they've already got a lot of Bombardier aircraft in the Qantas Link fleet. So one more could be uh, quite a benefit to them, a, a single supplier, so to speak. 
Yeah, that's interesting, Grant. I mean, we've heard a lot of press about the C-Series and really none of it positive, I'd have to say, over the last 12 months. You know, we've had contributors on our show that have, uh, you know, openly questioned whether or not it would be a good move for Qantas to run the C-Series in this country. And I've got to say, I'd never really agree with that. I could think of a, of a heap of markets to where, you know, an aircraft of that size would be ideal in this country. Yeah, like the people currently, some of the regional airlines and uh, and the ones doing a lot of the, the mining flights who are running Fokker F-28s and Fokker 100s, that would be a classic market to target a smaller C-series at, but Bombardier did cop a bit of flack at the recent Farnborough Air Show for not walking away with a whole lot of announcements like everyone else did. They were quite quiet in their uh, the list of sales. Well, of course, um, you know, the next big trade show in this part of the world for us is uh, Avalon, which is coming up uh, about March of next year. So, you know, uh, given the sort of time frame we're talking about between now and then, if uh, Qantas does take these aircraft, you know, it might be a good time to make an announcement then. Uh, would certainly make for a few parties in the Bombardier tent, that's for sure. Yeah, Another reason for us to get a media pass, Grant. Oh, you're on it. Well, that's just about everything we have for you this week on the Australia Desk. Uh, we hope everybody's been having a good time at Oshkosh, and we note with uh, with interest that we are not there. Yeah. But uh, we, were pretty, oh, well. we were pretty happy to have our, our little promo, or at least part of it, played at uh, Potapalooza this week. Yep. So uh, thanks to Steve Tupper and Rob Mark and whoever else uh, organised that for us. We really do appreciate it. And Grant, one more big announcement for uh, our listeners in the Florida area, particularly if you're around Jacksonville. That's right. Uh, there's a couple of guys called Milford and Charlie, who put out a show on, uh, I believe it's B.O.B. is the name of the station. Every Saturday morning, they do the Flight Time Radio Show, and that's broadcast live. And it's also uh, recorded and put up on the internet as a podcast. Well, they're now also joining in the fun, and they're going to have a segment from the crazies at Playing Crazy Down Under. That's right. Steve and I are going to be uh, putting together every week or two weeks a segment on flying down under. So the first one just went live this weekend, and uh, we're already working on the next couple. So uh, if you're in the Florida area, feel free to listen in live. But otherwise, have a listen to flighttimeradio.com, and uh, you're going to hear us talking about what it's like flying aircraft in Australia. Uh, we'll be talking about history, warbirds, antiques, light aircraft, recreational aircraft, aerobatics, all those kind of things. So not so much airlines and military, which is what you get here, but it'll still be our crazy sense of humour with a bit of informative fun. Yep, and Flight Time Radio, uh, in addition, uh, are just about to start streaming on Flight Line Internet Radio, which is great. And uh, that radio station grant is WBOB AM 1530 in Jacksonville, Florida. So we'd be interested to hear from any listeners down there uh, if they listened to that show and they, they heard our voice and wondered... Crikey, what are we listening to? Yeah, hang on, this isn't the Airplane Geeks. This isn't Plane Crazy. What are those mad Aussies doing now? Absolutely, we're taking over the world, Grant. Exactly, we're taking over the world one show at a time. That's exactly right. Well, <laughs> well, we're off now to plan our world domination, folks. Until next week, I'm Steve Vischer. And I'm Grant McCarran. Cheers, folks.